welcome to Two Brothers Review, the podcast. I'm Reed Turley. And I'm Ty Turley. And if uh, the most exciting thing in your life is the beginning of the baseball playoffs, uh, this is our gift to you. Yeah, we're sorry. Yeah, we're very sorry. And instead, you can listen to this podcast. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about the Joker, or just Joker? No, jo- the. No, the. No, the. Joker. Uh, but before we get to that, we wanted to give our pick for favorite movie with an unreliable narrator. Ty, what did you think of for this? Well, it's a little self-serving, but my major film that I've made is a 15-minute hybrid documentary where the narrator is very unreliable and tells a story about forest spirits that steal harvests. If we don't count that one, yep, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say... Apocalypse Now. Have you seen it? Uh, yeah, I think we... Yes, I have. Because we talked about it already? Yeah, we talked about it for Ad Astra, right? I think so. It's very similar. Yeah. Was it my recommendation for Ad Astra? Now I can't remember. No, I think you just said it was uh, very similarly structured, and the director referenced Apocalypse Now. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so in Apocalypse Now, there's a narrator, and... He's the main character, although uh, interestingly, it's a different actor that does the voice of the narrator than is the actor in the film, but he's very much uh, unreliable. Yeah. Nice. Uh, The one that I went with is Gone Girl. I like the switch in the story where the the voiceover is, you know, talking about her death and then uh, you realize it's, it's, yeah, there's just this moment where it changes and she starts talking about how she got away and I think it's a really good turn. Yeah. I I don't remember it. I feel like it, I feel like it did not have as big an impact as on me as it should have. I feel like a lot of people liked it, but I just, it was completely unmemorable. Maybe you should revisit it. I think I like, uh, I like David Fincher movies though. Maybe more than you do. I don't know. What kind of movies? Adventure movies? David Fincher. Oh, (laughs) okay. Yeah, you probably do. Well, let's talk about Joker. Um, I think you know, coming out of this, a couple of things really stood up. They're sort of stood out. There's sort of the, I don't know, conversation about the movie outside of the movie and the conversation about the kind of the portrayal in the, in the movie. I don't know, something more interesting to you to talk about first. Oh, well, I'm surprised you want to bring in things outside the movie. I feel like I always want to bring in that context. And you're always like, this podcast is about movies, Ty. Oh, do you think well, that's I, true? Maybe, I bet I probably lean that way. Yeah, but let's let's switch it up. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. This controversy struck a chord with Reed, and he wants to talk about it. <laughs> well, I, I guess. Do you think? I mean, before people even see the movie, and they're saying it's going to incite violence, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look at things correctly. People shouldn't watch it. I don't know. Do you think that has merit? Uh, I mean, it's, it's super complicated. I, I feel like the thing that people are taking issue with is that you would portray someone sympathetically who does violence. And I believe everyone should be portrayed or could be understood. And is it's important to understand everyone, even people in real life who do mass shootings. It seems like we should in particular want to understand them. So the fact that it's about someone who does that and humanizes that person, as I think a lot of the critiques are saying, doesn't 
in and of itself is not bad. In fact, I think it's very important and good. But I think the problem is it doesn't sh- just doesn't show the cost to him. So I think the truth is really the capital T truth is if you use violence to be seen and to validate yourself, there's a big cost to that that's negative and that's horrible. And maybe it's not immediate or maybe it's less visible if you have mental health issues, but it still has to be there. And the film doesn't show that, which then it does, I think, veer into possibly being irresponsible. I I thought they got, I mean, maybe a little close when um, the moment after he's uh, smothered his mother and then finds the photo of his mom from uh, Thomas Wayne with the note on the back that says, you know, I love your smile, TW. I thought he was going to realize, you know, maybe Thomas Wayne had done this cover up and there was this conspiracy to say that he was adopted and that his mother was, was insane. And that was going to drive him to sort of have a hatred for the Waynes and, and more, I don't know, make, maybe more actively decide to do the things he's doing. Uh, but it didn't, he, you know, just showed that photo. And then that's all, that's kind of the end of that thought. But how would that show the terrible cost of, of deciding to turn to violence? Well, that he did that to his mom thinking she had lied to him and kind of, you know, ruined his life and then realizing she hadn't right. That would have, he could have felt guilt in that moment for doing, you know, for, for killing his mother. That's like saying he should only feel bad if it's an unjust killing, but it's, uh, he should feel bad about it. You know, even if it was a just in the, in his view, just killing, I mean, him killing his mother's not going to, you know, erase all the pain that he had. I wish it showed that at the end of the film. That moment when he's on the car, I don't know. Maybe you just can't do that because he's a sociopath. So there really is no, he doesn't feel any negative consequences of his, of his actions. Yeah. But another way of doing it would have been to, um, you know, show the comedian's family mourning or show the repercussions of the, the carnage that he leaves in his wake, you know, why, like why that matters. Actually having a human character affected by his violence, which it doesn't really have. And maybe the closest is, you know, Zazie Beats just being terrified that he's in his apartment in that revelation that he'd been imagining their relationship or fantasizing about their relationship. Yeah, that probably is but, the closest. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's not a result of the killings or it doesn't come out. It doesn't, you know, it's not uh, related Consequence to killings. Of violence. Yeah. Just his creepiness. Very creepy. Yes, he was. Okay, well, how do you think... Uh, what do you think, though? Uh, about what? About the controversy outside the film. I, I feel like people were, I don't know, maybe too hasty or hard or ready to judge it. I, I just don't think... I think people were biased coming into it. Um, I mean, we can get to this, but I did not like the sort of use of mental illness as a reason for the violence or a kind of justification of his actions. I think, you know, someone who's mentally ill will have, you know, could do something like this and and maybe not be as responsible. And I like, I don't know. I think it's the Joker is more powerful as an agent of chaos. If it's not portrayed as someone who's just mentally ill doing something, I I wish there was more choice in his, on his side. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it. Yeah, for sure. The problem with this film. 
I did, yeah, I did not like the portrayal of mental illness. Well, it, yeah, a lot of times it is to blame, though. Are you saying you don't like it on an absolute level, or you don't like it cinematically? Uh, so, like with this character, I guess cinematically. Like I'm sure violence is caused by that in real life, but yeah, okay. I don't think I don't think the Joker needs to be based on that. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so in the movie, I mean, how do you feel like uh, Joaquin Phoenix did with the portrayal and the sort of physical change of it? Joaquin Phoenix? Sure. <laughs> or the Joaquin jo- Phoenix? Joaquin Phoenix is Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix as as he transformed himself to be the Joker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, we're gonna, re- we're gonna refer to him as Joaquin Phoenix for now. On. Um, oh, I thought it was. Uh, very weird and pretty good. I don't think it was my favorite Joaquin Phoenix movie for sure. I feel like he was, there were times when I didn't quite buy it. I think he had, a, especially pulling off this weird laugh at weird times. Uh, I just, that's so hard to do in a way that I believe it. I think just cause I don't know anyone that actually does that in real life. Right. And I felt like it was uneven. Yeah, I mean, I think they did a good job to use his physicality in the film. I mean, to I don't know, indicate some of his transformation, to show the pain and the struggle he had, like that kind of dance scene where he's in the bathroom, you know, kind of transitioning into that Joker mentality. Do you know? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah, there were actually three dance scenes. I think. Down right. the down the stairs, uh huh. In the bathroom and with his mom is that the third one? Yeah, yeah. And they were all very weird, but I liked it. I mean, I liked that choice to have him be someone who does that. Yeah, I, I think I don't know, maybe kind of with the dance scene, not just the um, soundtrack of the movie because I, I think the songs were pretty good, but the score itself, I really liked the. Um, the string instruments, you know, I don't know if it's a cello or a bass, but just that really low, low note. And then in that transition in the bathroom, you know, you start hearing some more percussion dropping into it. It just, I don't know. I think it really fills out the sound. I really, I liked that scene a lot that the music was good there. Hmm, I didn't notice. I'd have to watch it again. Yeah. I thought, uh, well, yeah, I just felt like I, I couldn't, I didn't quite see the transformation or what was causing it exactly. I mean, I feel like the film, I read one review it afterwards where they said that, um, you can't pin down why he does it. A lot of things in the film are hinted at as being the reasons for why he transforms. And it's just not, it's so many things that it becomes kind of a ridiculous ungrounded story. And I think that's true. I think, uh, was it his background? Was it modern day society? Was it the 1%? Was it um, the kids, the violence of the kids beating him up? Was it his mental illness? There's just like a million things going into it. And a lot stronger film would have been more specific, more clear about that. Don't, I mean, don't you think it could just be the kind of culmination of his life where he's, you know, he said he's never felt happy? He. It's showing all these bad things happen, and then he handles one situation with violence, and then gets you know feels like people are recognizing him. Like 
he sees that clown mask and he smiles at it. And then in the next bad situation, he responds with violence. And I think has a moment of peace with that. And it's sort of, it's sort of then just showing these, these instances that allow him to reinforce that violence is the way to handle problems. Mm. Or you're like, you're like, no, it was too many things. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I just left the film feeling like I didn't, care too much about him i didn't know i didn't know enough about him to care and that's a hard thing because you're doing an anti-hero but i don't know like it just felt it felt felt very uh empty to me okay like he gets i mean maybe it's like what you were saying about it wasn't his choice because it's mental illness he also has the gun not because of his choice it gets thrust upon him he has the mother he finds out he's adopted he has the mother who's um super weird with him and sleeps with him. And I don't know. That also feels like not his choice. Yeah. It just sort of takes the control out of his, his side, I guess. I guess his choice is that he starts responding with violence, but I don't know. It's a tough sell. It's a, it's just a hard movie to make where your hero is the person that you're identifying with as the main character is evil and does things that I would never think you should do. Yeah. Okay. Well, well let's, move on talk about some of the other characters. How did you feel like the side stories worked with, you know, the other clowns, um, Zazie beats, Thomas Wayne, Robert De Niro. Like, what did you feel like the, his interactions with the side characters were like there? I just feel like they were all super shallow. Like, right. Like why, why would the clown give him a gun? Yeah. I mean that, 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 that bothered me a lot, but just like, he's, he's not changing at all. He's a, he's, this um he's a stereotype of a kind of a double faced he's two faced cuz he you know gives him the gun but then blames him later for wanting to buy it from him and and then he shows up at his house and does another two faced thing of being like I'm sorry about your mother but I'm here to make sure you don't talk he didn't really care about, care about his mother so and then he gets killed obviously and he never changes so as he beats doesn't go through any transformation. The scene where she goes on a date with him is his imagination, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So she's, she's nothing. I mean, she's a non-character. The Bruce Wayne's dad is sorry. Yeah. Bruce Wayne. What's his, what's Thomas Wayne? Thomas Wayne, I think. Yeah. So he's (laughs) totally this foil that never changes or learns or develops in any way. And I already mentioned how, uh, the, comedian i i just i he didn't develop either i mean he's just this same aloof guy the whole time so i don't know i just so it's not an interesting character movie for anyone else for sure uh and then so you're left really just watching and and identifying with the journey of the of joker and i think maybe because he then is also I think that could work with a more interesting character or someone who's, I don't know, doing, I don't know, making more active decisions. But I think because we, you know, we've already said it's such a passive situation that I don't know. Is it so, it's not so interesting to just be with the Joker all the time. Yeah. I, I guess I did like the initial setup of the fantasy of him being at, at the recording for the late night show you know, where it, it kind of changes the color of the you know, the the screen and you can see it sort of fade back into him sitting there watching. And I think that's a pretty accurate reflection of sort of 
how people fantasize or, you know, like have that sort of wishful thinking, um, you know, and how they really set it up at the first one. And then, and then you realize those interactions with Zazie beats are, are that as well later. I think that that was kind of effective in that sort of seeing how he does fantasize about a, a different life or kind of that wishful fulfillment. But they don't cue you in visually that Zazie beats is a, is a fantasy really in the same way. Do they, they don't, I think. So I think that's kind of nice that they show you that he does this once really kind of strongly. And then when you see it kind of come to fruition with Zazie beats, you realize, Oh, of course he would have done this again or had this same kind of fantasizing situation. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess I liked it. Okay. I think maybe they should have done it one more time. Okay. I don't know. Just like a little bit more satisfying to once you realize, once you realize that he did it with Zazie beats, let, let the audience now that they're sure there's a pattern, let them have the, the satisfaction of seeing it in real time and realizing. Yeah. Nothing's happening, but he's imagining something is better. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I d- go ahead. I thought his, sta- I thought his stand up was pretty funny. He was good, huh? He killed. <laughs> well, like it could have been worse. I was so he- nervous in that scene when he was going up, like, Oh, this is going to be so bad. Yeah. I was, I looked at what this director had made. Do you know what other movies Todd Phillips has directed? The hangover. Yeah, the Hangover Trilogy, Old School, some just comedies, you know, for the last 15, 20 years. I was surprised to kind of see that transition into Joker. Yeah. You can see, I mean, there's a few. <laughs> when he walks into the door at the hospital. Oh, my gosh. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Were you the only person who laughed in your theater? Because that's like awkward. No. It's, oh, gosh. Everyone laughed in my theater. Well, not everyone. Half of us. Yeah. Like the smart ones. <laughs> Is that it's like dumb slapstick humor. That's that's fair. I don't know. It's Charlie Chaplin, actually. Probably probably intentionally Charlie Chaplin, actually. Because they have the modern times film in there and he did a lot of I think the references were um very very intentional. Yeah. Um I guess do you think he was the son of Thomas Wayne or not? Oh, I don't think he was. I think he could have been. I think Thomas Wayne would have had enough money, enough influence, would have had a friend who was a psychologist, could have faked some documents, and I like to think that he is. That makes him that makes him Batman's half brother. Does that bother you? No, I think it's better. Don't, don't you think people that have nemesises that are related is it's like Cain and Abel? I don't know. It's old as time. I guess. Okay. Oh yeah. I don't know. Do you do you, what what do you think about the choice to not have Joker kill Thomas Wayne? I think it's fine that he didn't. He wasn't the one cuz I think he still sort of incited the violence that caused that. But that was my least favorite scene in the movie. Like all you needed to do was show them come out of the theater and have some guy look at them sideways. Don't follow them into the alley and show the pearls being ripped off the neck. Like that's the fourth time we've seen that in like 20 years. I feel like, <sighs> okay. Okay. No, you, do you think that's a good scene well, to do if you're making a Batman related movie? I don't know. I don't know. There weren't, uh, 
There weren't bats in the opera this time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> they skipped that part. Well, yeah, there's that's good, I guess. <laughs> I mean, take what you can get. You're right that you can do ellipses for a lot of stuff, but I think uh, I think they should have had the Joker be the one that killed him. I think that would have had more satisfaction, definitely, for you know, because that the Thomas Wayne character did cause the Joker pain. He punched him in the face. Well, oh, and and like the emotional pain with his mom. Yes. Yeah, I think he would have. I mean, does Joker seem like someone who lets you punch him in the face and doesn't hold it against you? Heck, no. He would have nursed that grievance and he would have gone back and killed him just like he killed um, the billions lawyer. (laughs) Uh, I was like, maybe that's the guy from billions. She's like, I know. Uh, But I love love seeing him work. And you should have said the guy from Barry. No, (laughs) he's well, he's good in both. I love him in Barry, too. Right? That I mean I think that establishes that he holds grudges sure. very strongly. Oh yeah. And so like, the comedian so he should have made gone fun. Back. The comedian made fun of him and then he got it even with him. Yeah. Although I thought him getting that call to be on the show was gonna be one of his fantasizing moments. Maybe it was. Oh my. <laughs> That's a problem with fantasy moments. When does it end? Yeah. I mean I think the show or I guess the the movie Showing the murder of the Waynes is very kind of on the nose, right? And I liked it more when it was a little bit subtler, like uh, he's having that interview with the psychiatrist at the end, and then you see him walking away, and there's just the blood on his shoes. Like, I guess maybe that's still pretty bold, like pretty loud, but you don't see oh, the yeah. murder. Yeah, that was that was pretty, that was one of my favorite scenes, or shots, I guess, because it was so yeah. creepy. And awful. But then with that like slapstick moment at the end where uh, orderly is chasing him and then they, they go one direction and then they come back another. Like I bet yeah. there's a scene like that in a Charlie Chaplin movie. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's a weird mixing of tones or, or kind of genres like to have someone. Yeah. Maybe it's just cause he wanted to do a lot of Charlie Chaplin quotes that he put those in, even though, even though it's pretty dark. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe it just makes, you know, the Joker, Joker being more of a comedian or trying to have that desire. He's trying to tell jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you liked or disliked about this movie you want to talk about? I don't know. It just felt very convenient that the, his clown posse was able to crash into the police car in just the right way that the officers were incapacitated, but he was able to get out and get up and then he gets caught again. I don't know. Oh man, I'm usually the person who has problems with convenience in movies. We've done a real role reversal on this podcast. <laughs> I hate convenience in movies. Really? You feel like you're the one? I definitely feel like I'm the one. I don't no, know. No, Reed. Don't ever let me get away with doing things that are convenient. Uh, all right, Ty, what are you going to rate Joker out of five? Oh, uh, this, this one's tough for me. I'm, I'm on the border between two numbers. But I haven't thought about it at all since I saw it three days ago, two days ago. So I'm going to give it a two. Okay. I am, was on the border of three and four, but as I've thought about it, I've liked it less and less. So I'm going to give it a three. Okay. Yeah. What's another thing you have to recommend for our listeners? Oh, gosh. Did you start watching The Politician? I haven't yet. The 
show on Netflix with Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. And the guy from uh, the Broadway star. No Patrick Harris. No, he's the, he, he was a, he, <laughs> Matthew Broderick. I, I don't know what Na- you're talking about. Nathan Lane. <laughs> oh, okay. No, no, just kidding. It's none of those people. I can't remember his name. Ben Platt, I think is his name. And he was the star of the film or the play that was a huge hit two years ago uh, that I cannot remember the name of right now. Dear Evan Hansen? Dear Evan Hansen, yes. And this is kind of, I think, his first major role. I think it's so bad. So it's the producer uh, or the, yeah, the guy who's show running it, Ryan Murphy, right? He made yes. the American Horror Story series and. Yes, an American crime story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, don't don't watch it. It's really, really bad. <laughs> uh, I won't. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> for my side, Remy and I have been happy to have fall TV back, so we've picked up again with The Good Place, and I think it's uh, still pretty strong. I like the structure of it, the jokes. I think Kristen Bell does a great job in it. I love the Blake Bortles jokes. Oh, yeah. Jason. <laughs> Have there been more of those? Um, I think he uh, found out that they got he got cut. <laughs> like, Blake Bortles doesn't play for Jacksonville anymore. I know. That's exactly why I think they should keep doing them. It's like, it's like funnier to me if he's still making Blake Bortles references. <laughs> Even though he doesn't play for him. Yeah. I just watched, I just watched all of season three. Like three weeks ago, I hadn't, I had not watched it. Yeah, dessert. I don't love week to week television normally, but I don't know. It's coming out right now, so I'll watch it. But I totally understand also just waiting until it comes out on Netflix and being able to binge the 10 episodes. Yeah. You, you back to watching The Good Doctor? No, we've, uh, I don't think I've ever really watched it. Remy did for a little while. Don't, 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 don't put that on me. Or do you, you watch it? You're like, I love it. I do love it. I cry every time. Every episode I cry. <laughs> okay, well that's no, that's good. People need that emotional release. I do. <laughs> Manifest? You watch Manifest? No, I don't watch a lot of network TV shows. Oh, okay. Especially not said, the dramas. You said fall TV, you know? You're back at it. Sure. <laughs> that that means just the good place? <laughs> GBB, Great British Bake Off, is week to week on Netflix also. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, this has been Two Brothers Review, the podcast. Please rate and review uh, on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And have a good week. I'm Ty Turley. <laughs> and you're Reed Turley. I am, yep. <laughs> And the Yankees won. Bye.